good morning. Uh, hi. For those of you who don't know me, I'm Corey Cooper. I'm on staff here at the church. Um, what a time of worship. Thank you, worship team. I think I sang so hard my right kidney actually hurt for a second, um, and I've never had that before. So a little parched, stuff hurts, but it was awesome. Um, we're going to continue in our series today, In His Name. Um, and I've loved this series because it's all about God and not... Uh, it's all about who he is, his identity, as we get to know his name and know more about him. We've seen him as Adonai, the supreme Lord of everything. We've seen him as Yahweh or Jehovah. He is the Lord, our shepherd, the Lord, our banner, the Lord, our righteousness, and so many more things. And today we get to look at him by another name, and that is Jehovah Jireh, the Lord will provide. And as we just sang, he's our provider. Even on our darkest days, he shows us where the light is. He is our provider. So I want to ask you to turn with me to Genesis chapter 22 um, and stand up as we read our passage today, verses 1 through 14. You can follow along on this awesome television I have right next to me or on the screen. Je or Genesis 22. After these things, God tested Abraham and said to him, Abraham, he said, here I am. He said, take your son, your only son Isaac, whom you love, and go to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains of which I shall tell you. So Abraham rose early in the morning, saddled his donkey, and took two of his young men with him and his son Isaac. And he cut the wood for the burnt offering and arose and went to the place of which God had told him. On the third day, Abraham lifted up his eyes and saw the place from afar. Then Abraham said to his young men, stay here with the donkey. I and the boy will go over there and worship and come again to you. And Abraham took the wood of the burnt offering and laid it on his son Isaac. And he took in his hand the fire and the knife. So they went, both of them together. And Isaac said to his father Abraham, my father. He said, here I am, my son. He said, behold, the fire and the wood, but where is the lamb for a burnt offering? Abraham said, God will provide for himself the lamb for a burnt offering, my son. So they went, both of them together. When they came to the place of which God had told him, Abraham built the altar there and laid the wood in order and bound Isaac his son and laid him on the altar on top of the wood. Then Abraham reached out his hand and took the knife to slaughter his son. But the angel of the Lord called to him from heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. He said, here I am. He said, do not lay your hand on the boy or do anything to him. For now I know that you fear God seeing you have not withheld your son, your only son, from me. And Abraham lifted up his eyes and looked, and behold, behind him was a ram, caught in a thicket by his horns. And Abraham went and took the ram and offered it up as a burnt offering instead of his son. So Abraham called the place the Lord will provide. And it is said, on this day, on the mount of the Lord, it shall be provided. Jehovah Jireh, the Lord will provide. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for who you are, that you are Jehovah Jireh. The Lord will provide just one of your many names. As we look at how incredible you are, uh, I pray that you would uh, help us to see something new today, to know you more, to love you more. Uh, and as Paul prayed in Ephesians 1, that you were the father of glory, and please give us the spirit of wisdom and of revelation and the knowledge of you. Enlighten us, open our eyes and open our hearts that we may know what is the hope to which you, God, have called us? What are the riches of your glorious inheritance in the saints? What is the immeasurable greatness of your power toward us who believe? God, we are humbled that we can know you. We are humbled that you are our God and help us to grow in the knowledge of you today. 
In Jesus' name, amen. You can be seated. Thank you. So, if you're like me, I read this passage and I am blown away at the faith of Abraham. I, this is so difficult to read, but we see that Abraham had this faith where he just obeyed God when God asked him to do something that seemed uh, impossibly hard to do. Um, and we start in verse 1 and it says, after these things, God tested Abraham. So I want to talk to those who are believers in here today, to the church, um, don't be surprised when there's a test or when there's a trial or where there's a tragedy in your life. You shouldn't be surprised because this says in James 1, count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds, for you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. And let steadfastness have its full effect that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. So the fact is, if we are in Christ, God is making us holy. It is a process. It's called sanctification. He is making us more like him. And God is equipping us and God is educating us with every test that he puts us through, with every test he gives us. He is calling us to be more like him. And I love that God will test us, but he also tests us up to a point that we can pass the test and he's with us through the whole thing and he's doing it for a purpose so that we may grow. And as we look, we're gonna go back because it says after these things, we're gonna look at Abraham and his whole life and we'll see that his tests at age 75 are far different than the ones that he is facing when he's over 100 years old. They're different. And just like if you look back, the test that you just went through recently, five years ago, probably would have crushed you. And that's a cool thing to look at in our life of faith to know that God is preparing us in things that happen to you, you know, back, we see God's faithfulness and him preparing us for what's next because there's always something next that God is calling us to. And maybe some of you are in a test right now um, and you're just desperately praying and you need Jehovah Jireh to show up now. And you're praying and you're waiting. I mean, your faith is being tested. Um, but I want you to know that God is faithful, that God knows what's best for you, that God knows what's best for me. Um, and he's forming us into the image of Jesus and that's what we'll see here. So I want us to go back to Genesis 12, the original call of Abram before his name got changed to Abraham. And we're gonna look at his story of faith because as you can probably guess, there's some up and downs. There's a lot of crazy faith where he's just obedient and there's a lot of really silly stuff, which makes me feel better because it's just a faith journey like this. And he's just like you and me in a lot of these things. So chapter 12, verses one through three. Now the Lord said to Abram, go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you. And I will make you a great nation and I will bless you and make your name great so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and him who dishonors you I will curse, and in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. So we see here the original call of Abram, um, he obeys. He packs up everything he has. God tells him to leave his home, to leave his kindred. He takes his immediate family, but he leaves his, his dad or everyone else that's still there, his kindred family. He packs it up. He's 75 at this point. So he packs up everything he has. He's an established man, and he leaves everything, heads south toward Canaan, and God promises to give him that as an inheritance. And he knows that Canaan is full of people. It is an inhabited land that he knows he's going to, but he has faith in God, and he leaves. So we see that's the first test, the first call of Abram, and he responds with faith. As soon as he gets to Canaan, there's a famine in the land, so in order to survive, they have to go down to Egypt um, to find food. And this is, this is not a faithful moment. 
Abraham comes up with this really cool plan and tells his wife, hey, whenever we go anywhere, I want you to pretend you're my sister, because if they know we're married, they're probably going to kill me uh, and steal you from me. So she, I don't know why, says, okay, that sounds like an awesome idea. Let's do that. So we're told that Sarah is a beautiful woman. And as soon as they get there, the princes of Pharaoh see her, and they're like, well, that's just, that's just Abraham's sister, and she's very pretty. You, uh, Dad, you should take her to be one of your wives. So Pharaoh's like, okay, sounds good. So Pharaoh takes her into his palace to be one of uh, his wives. And we see here God's faithfulness, because God intervenes in spite of Abraham. God intervenes to rescue Sarah from Pharaoh, and he causes a bunch of plagues to happen in Pharaoh's house, to the point where he calls Abraham and says, hey, man, what, what did you do? Like, what did you do to me? And Abraham confesses, yeah, she's actually my wife. He's like, why, why did you lie about this? God is doing all this stuff to me. I need you to go. I need you to take her. I need you to get out of here. So they get kicked out of Egypt. Pharaoh sends them away as fast as possible. Not exactly a moment of faith where he would, you know, expect God to take care of them while they're there. Then we move on to Genesis 15. And this is when God makes his everlasting covenant with Abraham. And this is an amazing story. And I'm going to read this, just the first six verses. Chapter 15, verse 1. After these things, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision. Fear not, Abram, I am your shield. Your reward shall be very great. But Abram said, O Lord God, what will you give me? For I continue childless, and the heir of my house is Eliezer of Damascus. And Abram said, Behold, you have given me no offspring, and a member of my household will be my heir. So even now, as God is appearing to Abraham, he's telling God, like, what are you saying? You promised these things, and I don't even have an heir yet. And behold, the word of the Lord came to him. This man shall not be your heir. Your very own son shall be your heir. And he brought him outside and said, look toward heaven and number the stars if you're able to number them. Then he said to him, so shall your offspring be. And I love this verse. And he believed the Lord and it was counted to him as righteousness. So God made his everlasting covenant with Abraham. And I still remember Bob preached on this moment um, a couple years ago, and I still remember it vividly because he did such a great job. But to seal the sacrifice, the covenant, God passes through the sacrifice um, as a flaming uh, torch and as a smoking pot. And he signifies that he is upholding his side of the bargain in the covenant and also Abraham's because we can't uphold our promises to God, but he knows that. And he passes through that and makes his promise to Abraham. Then we move on to chapter 16. We're, we're doing the waves. In chapter 16, uh, Sarah and Abraham go, grow very impatient with God. They still don't have any children. They're still childless. So they take matters into their own hands. And Sarah goes to Abraham and says, hey, I'm going to give you my, my servant, Hagar. Um, I want you to produce an heir for me with her. So Abraham marries Hagar, and they have a baby named Ishmael. And we see that this was not according to the will of God. This was, this was a man-made solution to a God promise that never works. Genesis 17, and Abraham said to God, oh, that Ishmael might live before you. And God said, no, but Sarah, your wife, shall bear you a son, and you shall call his name Isaac. I will establish my covenant with him as an everlasting covenant for his offspring after him. So here we have the birth of Isaac is promised, and God tells Abraham that Sarah will give birth to a son, and neither of them believe him again. Abraham doesn't believe God, we're told. Abraham fell on his face and laughed and said to himself, shall a child be born to a man who is 100 years old? Shall Sarah, who is 90 
years old bear a child. I don't know if you've ever laughed so hard that you fell on your face, but that's laughing pretty hard. And that's what he does in the face of God when he says, I'm gonna give you a son. And he tells him this when he's 99. So he's saying, by the time you're 100, how, you're gonna give us a kid? And then Sarah doesn't believe either. And this is one of the funniest conversations with a person and with God in the Bible. Genesis 18, the Lord said to Abraham, why did Sarah laugh and say, shall I indeed bear a child now that I'm old? Is anything too hard for the Lord? At the appointed time, I will return to you about this time next year and Sarah will have a son. But Sarah denied it saying, I did not laugh for she was afraid. And then she said, and then God said back, no, but you did laugh. So uh, usually when you back talk God, it doesn't end well. But in this one, he's very gracious and very sweet, um, which he is. But, and so Isaac means he laughs. That's just the name that was given. God, you know, in his divine forbearance, knew that they were going to laugh at him, so that's the name of Isaac. He laughs. So, not exactly shining moments of faith. And now we move on to She's My Sister, Volume 2. In Genesis 20, Abraham and Sarah travel to Gerar, and Abraham again does the same thing with King Abimelech, um, and he says that Sarah is his sister so that they don't kill him. And so, after this, Abimelech takes Sarah into his house the same way that Pharaoh did, and he gets crazy dreams from God, and then also every woman in his kingdom can't have kids anymore. So he calls in Abraham and says, hey man, what did you do? And Abraham says, yeah, we lied. Um, she's not my sister, she's my wife. And he's like, why, why would I kill you to steal your wife? Who do you, who do you think I am? So again, they get kicked out of there, um, and it's not exactly a moment of faith for Abraham. But then, finally, at the age of 100 years old, a year later, Isaac is born. And we see this 25 years of his faith journey, 25 years of obeying God, 25 years of also disobeying God and not having faith, failing to trust him. But then he sees God come through on his promise. And it takes sometimes the supernatural for our faith to really, really, really grow when God does something miraculous. And that's what Isaac was to them, a picture of God's faithfulness, a picture of the supernatural, because a 90-year-old woman giving birth to her first child is, is supernatural. I think we could all agree with that. But that's where we pick up this story of Genesis 22. And now God would test Abraham's faith like he never did before, but God had been preparing Abraham and stretching him and growing his faith for what he was about to ask him to do. So verse two, he said, take your son, your only son Isaac, whom you love, and go to the land of Moriah and offer him as a burnt offering on one of the mountains of which I shall tell you. So just reading this makes me sick to my stomach because I just became a dad. My son CJ is 11 weeks old and he's my only son and I love him. The same things that are said here. And I can't imagine what Abraham must have felt waiting 100 years for your son. You have him and then God said, hey, I want you to, I want you to take him and I want you to, to offer him as a sacrifice back to me. Like, it makes me want to throw up thinking about it. Um, but as we see here, God had a plan. But the question that comes to my mind is, if God is good, how could he ask Abraham to sacrifice a child in the first place? If God is good, what, what, is, he, what is he doing here? Um, I just want to point to the fact that the outcome of the story here shows that that was never going to happen. Abraham was faithful, we see, and was offering him up, and God stopped it and would not allow that to happen so the options were what Abraham did, he, he stepped out in faith, or he just completely disobeyed God, and we don't know what that would have been, but it was never going to happen. 
But also I lean on the fact of Romans 11 where it says, oh, the depths and the riches and the wisdom and knowledge of God, how unsearchable are his judgments and how inscrutable his ways. For who has known the mind of the Lord or who has been his counselor? Um, we don't know the mind of God, um, but God knew that this wasn't going to happen. He was testing, uh, testing Abraham. And we see here that Isaac represented the most important thing to Abraham, the most important thing of his life. Isaac was a gift of God. He was a promise. And the test was asking the question, what or who in your life do you love more than me? And God was testing him and asking him that. Um, but incredibly, Abraham responds with faith. In verse 3, so Abraham rose early in the morning, saddled his donkey, and took two of his young men with him and his son Isaac. And he cut the wood for the burnt offering and arose and went to the place which God had told him. So that's some crazy faith. He got up early. They cut all the wood before they started walking, and they started making this 50-mile journey. It's about 50 miles from where Abraham was to Mount Moriah. Three days, it tells us in the next verse. And all Abraham knew was that God made a promise to him, and all of those promises hinged on Isaac. And he also knew that God wanted him to sacrifice Isaac. And we know that he can't reconcile the two things, but he's stepping out in faith. He would obey anyway. Um, and I can't even imagine what those three days were like, because only Abraham knew what he was walking to. The other three had no idea. Just agony and uncertainty, and I have no idea what they would talk about. Talk about awkward conversations. If anyone's ever been in a, like a road trip where you've had a fight before, like you're just, I don't know what to talk about. We'll just be silent for eight hours and see what happens. But three days of this, him being the only one, I can't imagine the agony and the uncertainty of a father knowing what he's walking to three days later. But we see his faith. Verse four, on the third day, Abraham lifted up his eyes and saw the place from afar. Then Abraham said to his young men, stay here with the donkey. I and the boy will go over there and worship and come again to you. That's important. And Abraham took the wood of the burnt offering and laid it on his son Isaac. And he took the knife and the fire so they went, both of them together. So we see Abraham's faith with that statement, we will come again to you. What a confident statement to be like, hey guys, wait here, we're leaving, but we're coming back, both of us. An incredible faith statement there. And we see, even as Isaac is about to ask him the one question he did not want to hear in the following verse, his faith is unwavering. In verse seven, it says, Isaac said to his father, my father, he said, here I am, my son. He said, uh, Behold the fire in the wood, but where's the lamb for the burnt offering? Um, yesterday, I got emotional several times reading this um, over and over as a father, uh, just reading. That's the one question Abraham probably didn't want to hear is when Isaac finally realizes there's nothing. It's just us. There's fire, there's a knife, and there's wood. What, like, what are we sacrificing? Um, but... Abraham responds with this incredible statement of faith. Abraham said, God will provide for himself the lamb for a burnt offering, my son. So they went, both of them together. And that statement, for himself, I want you to tuck that away for later. We're gonna come back to that. God will provide for himself. And I want us to jump over to Hebrews 11, which is called the Hall of Faith. But that gives us a deeper understanding of Abraham's faith in God. So Hebrews 11:17 through 19 says, by faith Abraham, when he was tested, offered up Isaac. And he who had received the promises was in the act of offering up his only son, of whom it was said, through Isaac shall your offspring be named. 
He considered that God was able even to raise him from the dead. Somehow, in this crazy situation, Abraham had radical supernatural faith from God, knowing that Adonai can do anything, which we talked about when Arthur preached. He's in control of everything. He's the creator. He's the Lord of all. And if God could cause a 90-year-old woman and a 100-year-old man to have a baby, just maybe he could raise him from the dead if he's still asking me to do this. Crazy supernatural faith. And then we see the rest of the story plays out. When they came to the place of which God had told him, Abraham built the altar there and laid the wood in order and bound Isaac his son and laid him on the altar on top of the wood. Then Abraham reached out his hand and took the knife to slaughter his son. But the angel of the Lord called to him from heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. He said, here I am. I, I can only imagine he was waiting for that a lot. Do not lay your hand on the boy and do, or do anything to him. For now I know that you fear God, seeing that you have not withheld your son, your only son from me. And Abraham lifted up his eyes and looked, and behold, behind him was a ram caught in a thicket by his horns. And Abraham went and took the ram and offered it up as a burnt offering instead of his son. So we see here through this whole story that Abraham is torn between the love for his child and obeying God. The love for his child and obeying God, and he faced these agonizing choices, 50 miles worth of step and step of obeying God or choosing to disobey God. But we see step by step, faith and hope triumphed over fear and doubt. And then it showed as he passed this test that he was willing to put God's call above every other commitment and above every other emotional attachment that he had. He was saying, God, what you're calling me to do is more important than everything. It's more important than anyone. It's more important than anything I have. God is more important. And that's what he showed by passing this test. And it says that he feared God. And we know that to fear God means to reverence him as sovereign, to know all the names that we've gone through in his name, that he is those. He is all of them at the same time. He is Adonai, he is Yahweh. We are to reverence him as sovereign, knowing that he is in control, that he has created all things, and we're to trust him implicitly, and then we're to obey him without question. And Abraham proved those things in this story. And then we see in verse 14 that God shows up as Jehovah Jireh, so Abraham called the name of that place the Lord will provide. And it is said to this day, on the mount of the Lord it shall be provided. What's cool about Jehovah Jireh is that this is the only time in the entire Bible where that's used. This name is used one time. And if we look at scripture and we look at the entire Bible, we see God show up all the time and do radical things, meet needs in a crazy way, show up for people um, even when we go to the next chapter of Exodus, we see he provides the children of Israel with food for 40 years. That is Jehovah Jireh, the Lord will provide every single day. But this is the only time where this name shows up and it's very important, Jehovah Jireh. And what we see in this story specifically is Jehovah Jireh provided the necessary sacrifice for Abraham and Isaac. We see here an obedient servant worshiping God at a great cost, the greatest cost that he could ever imagine. But in the end, he's receiving God's provision, God showing up. It's a perfect picture of the gospel, and it's a great indication, and it shows us that this book, this Bible, is telling one story, the story of reconciliation, the story of God, the story of him wanting a relationship with us and doing what it took and providing the necessary sacrifice for that. 
So Jehovah pro- provided the ram to save Isaac. Provided the ram to save Isaac. And Jehovah also, Jehovah Jireh provided the sacrifice necessary to atone for sin. The cool thing about this story is it happens on Mount Moriah. Um, and where that takes place is actually where Solomon will build the temple in Jerusalem. It's the same spot. That is where uh, animals will be sacrificed to atone for the sins of the people of Israel. That is where um, people would show up to atone for sins. And it's a picture of the gospel of Jesus Christ in the Old Testament. In the same way that Jehovah provided the sacrifice in this instance is the same thing he's going to do. And that applies to me and you. He's providing the sacrifice necessary to atone for sin, and that is Jesus. John 1, 29. The next day he saw Jesus coming toward him, that's John the Baptist, and he said, behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And John three sixteen says, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. So just as Isaac obeyed his father Abraham when he asked him to do something, so we see that Jesus willingly and obediently laid down his life in the same way to the very end to die for you and me. In John 17, or John 10, 17, Jesus says this, for this reason the Father loves me, because I lay down my life that I may take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down, and I have authority to take it up again. This charge I have received from my Father. What a beautiful picture of this Old Testament story of Abraham and Isaac just being a clear picture of the gospel, of Jesus, of God the Father, giving up his only son, to die as a substitution for us. And I love that in, in chapter 22, it says, so they both went, so they went both of them together. Sorry, that's a weird way to write that. So they both, so they went both of them together. I'm literally reading it and I'm saying it wrong. So they went both of them together. It says that twice in these 14 verses. And I love that because it shows that it is a father doing what God's calling him to do, but it's also a son submitting to what the father's telling him to do. The father giving up his only son and a son obeying the will of his father to the end. And that's the same way that Jesus, it says in John three sixteen, gave up his only son, whom he loved, Jesus, and Jesus obeyed the father to the end. And Jesus said it himself, I lay this, no one's making me do this. I'm doing it of my own accord. I am giving up my life. And why? To atone for my sin, to atone for your sin. We can replace ourselves in the story of Abraham and Isaac because I deserve to be Isaac. I deserve death because I'm a sinner. And more importantly, I don't deserve a relationship with God because I'm just not holy. God is holy. And in order to be with a holy God, we need a savior. Uh, But God provided Jesus, the lamb, and at the perfect time, he provided him as a substitute for you and as a substitute for me and as a substitute for anyone who would believe that he is the savior, that he died and that he rose again. And after we know that, we also know that Jehovah Jireh will provide everything needed for your calling. Another way to translate Jehovah Jireh is not just the Lord will provide, but it is the Lord will see it, the Lord will be seen, or the Lord will see to it. Everyone knows that's kind of an old English way to say, like, hey, can you do this? Yes, I'll see to that. I'll see to doing that. But I don't know what trial you're facing or what tragedy you've had to deal with or what calling you're wrestling with. Uh, We know 
from this translation that the Lord sees you um, and that the promise says that he will be seen in our trials and in our tragedies and in our circumstances and in our callings. He will be seen and he will see to it. And if we find ourselves facing a great need because of the following that God has commanded on our life, he will see to it that the need is met. Philippians 4, 19 says, And my God will supply every need of yours according to his riches in glory in Christ Jesus. Jehovah Jireh not only provides sacrifice necessary, but he also will clear the path and he'll open the doors. He will see us through if we're only willing to follow wherever he leads. And I don't know what he's called you to, but we're promised that he will provide for himself. Remember that earlier when I said hold on to that? It says that God will provide for himself. So if God has called you to plant a church, or if last week he called you to be a missionary, if he's called you to be a a spouse, a husband or a wife or a father or a, a mom or a teacher, whatever he's called you to do, if we believe the word of God that we're to do everything for his glory, if he's called us to do it, it would only make sense that he would give us everything we need to accomplish the calling he's given to, our, uh, given to us in our life. He will give everything needed to bring him glory, to accomplish what he's asked us to do. And it only makes sense that he would do that because it's God's will. And if it's bringing him glory, why do we ever doubt that he would provide for what he's asking us to do? to accomplish his will, because he'll provide for himself. And I love Jesus goes on to say, because of this in Matthew 6, 25, therefore I tell you, don't be anxious about your life. Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not more valuable than they? Verse 30, but if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith. And then down in verse 32, it says, your heavenly Father knows that you need them all, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Therefore, don't be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. The Lord will provide. Jehovah Jireh. Unfortunately, the, the Lord will provide is always in the future tense which means faith is always a test that we're walking into. We're always walking and the Lord will provide. We look back at his faithfulness, but this name is is future. The Lord will provide. In Hebrews 11, I love this, it says, now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. And as long as we have breath in our lungs, Jehovah Jireh has a calling for us as believers. We're called to preach the gospel. We're called to raise our children to to fear the Lord and to talk about it when we wake up and when we go to bed. We're called to something today, but we're also promised that he will see to it, that the Lord will provide, that he sees us, and in that he will be seen. It's this crazy thing. When God shows up, the important thing is that he showed up, that I got to see him work, because that's more satisfying than anything he gives me, is him. And we see that, and he knows exactly what we need, and it's more of him. And that's when we're, we're promised in James chapter one that we are to be complete, lacking in nothing. And that's really when we're fully submitted to, fully satisfied in God and him alone. And that's what Abraham showed us is like, I'm willing to put obedience to God, to put God first above even the promise of my child who I waited a hundred years for. 
Abraham showed it and he had faith. Fully, fully satisfied, fully submitted, and fully obedient to Jehovah Jireh because that's who God is. That is a fact. God is Jehovah Jireh. And it's really, it's a matter of our amount of faith if we believe it. It really is, comes down to that. So I want to invite all of you uh, to stand up with me. Um, and so if you don't know Jesus, um, me and Dustin will be down here. I'd love to talk to you about him. But Jesus willingly gave up his life and died on the cross for you. Um, and he also, the important part, is he rose from the dead. Even as it says from Abraham, Abraham had faith that God was even able to raise Isaac from the dead. But that actually happened. Jesus raised from the dead after he died for our sins. So if you need to know that you need a savior and you need to know him, come talk to us um, and we would love to do that. I wanna do another thing though um, to address you church. It might be, uh, take a little vulnerability, but I believe it'll be encouraging. I wanna talk to two groups of people in here. So I wanna ask that, who in here has gone through a test or a tragedy uh, or a circumstance just in recently in 2020, but you've seen Jehovah Jireh show up, that you've seen him uh, provide in your life in a real, real way, and he showed up. Could you just raise your hand so that we could see that? Praise God. That's amazing. I, I love that. Now I want to talk to another group of people in here. Uh, who in here is just going through it right now? Like you're in the midst of your trial, you're in the midst of your test, you're in the midst of tragedy, and you're literally just hands in the air, I don't know, but you need Jehovah Jireh to show up. Would anyone be willing to just say that today, that you need him to show up in your life right now? All right, thank you for your, keep those hands up, because group number one, I want you to pray for those people. Um, I want you to reach out a hand, just look around and see if somebody's raising their hand, uh, just reach out a hand and we're gonna pray for them because God is Jehovah Jireh. God will provide. It's just a matter of our faith. And let's, let's exercise that faith and let us pray for those people around. So if you answered yes to number two, please keep your hand up. Um, and anyone else, I just wanna pray for those people right now. So let's pray. God, um, we, we trust you that you're capable of anything. You are Adonai. You are the Lord of all. You are all powerful. You are sovereign. You know everything. You're in control of everything. So I come to you on behalf of my brothers and sisters in here who are going through it right now, that you're testing their faith and they just, they're at their end and they don't know when you're gonna show up. But God, I pray that you would increase faith. I pray that you would use this church to encourage them, uh, to hold up their arms when they can't, to encourage them forward. God, that you would show up because you can and you want to. And God, I pray for all these people raising their hands right now that you will show up, that you will be seen, that they will see you show up and that you will see to it, that you will meet their needs, that you would increase their faith, that they would find their satisfaction in you, but also that their needs would be met because you are Jehovah Jireh. So Lord, we give it all to you and we worship you because that's who you are. And we pray all these things in Jesus' name, amen. All right, we're gonna continue to worship Jehovah Jireh now, so let's join in worship. And if you want to talk about a next step with Jesus, we'll be down here uh, right now.